0: This is a reading for Feminist Food Journal of Just Because I Bottom Doesn't Mean I'll Make You a Sandwich The Politics of Letting Go Written by Jay Gee I'm new to bottoming As a self-identified slut, it surprises me that I'm only now learning how to bottom somewhat late in life, in my so dreaded thirties In gay years in the Chicago scene, I'm now an elder It's like I'm learning a new language, when peppered with references to douching, poppers, fiber supplements, toys, and specialty diets. But beyond following prescriptions to avoid dairy and drink enough water, I'm also seeing myself in a totally new light. In my 20s, I spent my most promiscuous years identifying as a verse top. I would bottom on occasion, but never really enjoyed it. I indulged in regular hookups with a mix of guys where we would explore what turned each other on, but I tended to go for guys who preferred bottoming. That was just what got me off. In those years, I never really considered my gender identity. I thought I was cisgender at the time. I was a homonormative, cis-gay, verse top. I enjoyed frequent hookups with guys in the Chicago area. I exclusively topped my most recent ex and the other guys we would mess around with. I prided myself on being the one others thought to be in full control. Everything changed when I met my current partner. We encountered the usual way, via the apps, and I was overwhelmed by his charm. His confident smile instantly won me over. He identified squarely as a top and knew what he liked. He had never been penetrated and certainly wouldn't be anytime soon. When we started talking, we laughed about both being tops joking that we would endure taking turns bottoming or saying we would need to invite in a third to make it work. But as our relationship deepened, something shifted in me. I felt comfortable relinquishing power with him and allowing him to take the lead, to take control. My sexual preferences, my world, flipped upside down. These days, I've only been bottoming and loving it. To bottom is to let go entirely, physically and mentally. For me though, letting go has never been an option. Until now, the contours of my selfhood were always defined by control and restraint. Even my own emotions were no match for the dominion I had over myself. I ignored or reined in inconvenient feelings of remorse, jealousy, and grief. I steered conversation so that the spotlight would shine over my head. I manipulated and I hurt those closest to me. To let go, then, would be to lose myself. I remember it well. On the pallet-supported bed in his spacious but bare-shelved studio, face dug into a pillow, knees flushed to the chest, hands clasped, arms extended along my back, a position reminiscent of the amateur porn littering the seedier corners of my Twitter feed, motel cum dumps, dark-rimmed gangbangs, winsome college lovers. Except I didn't have the bird's-eye view. I was the one who now lay writhing, self-consciously adjudicating whether the wetness I felt was lube or shit, feigning moans on a cacophonous scale, climbing from minor pain to, dare I say, major pleasure. Here, balled up in a reverse fetal position, fumbling in the dark, trying to align his cock with my asshole like a mid-air jet refueling operation, in total awe of his girth and my asshole's elasticity, I learned to unfetter from my reign of self-imposed control, I'd always imagined it happening differently. These days, I'm reveling in the feeling of releasing, of letting someone else take the wheel. It's the feeling of every cell in my body suddenly vibrating at the same frequency, a sensation so powerful that my mind, which never shuts the fuck up, finally falls silent. All I feel are the corporeal markings of pleasure. Have you ever been dicked down so good that you question your very existence? This is essentially what happened. Bottoming for my current partner, I've experienced my first anal orgasms and even hands-free orgasms. It's been so good that I haven't wanted sex with anyone else, and I haven't wanted to stop to top either. But giving myself up has changed how I show infection outside of the bedroom. Despite the veneer of effortless, almost irreproachable fortune and charm I used to cloak it in everyday interactions, I have a softer side. In particular, making and sharing food is my love language. I'm someone who would give you a take-home bag of cookies after a threesome. Not only am I the kind of person who would do this, but I have done this. I remember discreetly placing Ziplocs of freshly baked chocolate macadamia nut cookies in the backpacks of two Russian gymnasts, just beside the bottle of poppers. I always ensured that my special guests left with a full belly, one way and the other, That's what I consider being a good host. When I started dating my current partner, I spent lots of time in the kitchen, as I always had, making us food. After he would toss my salad, I'd toss a literal salad for him in return. But after about two months of getting railed exclusively, I started feeling uneasy. Why did I feel so compelled to cook for him after sex? He would blissfully gorge on whatever I made him as I grappled with not feeling the same joy providing nourishment that I used to, with every post coitus meal, I was filled, inch by inch, with equal parts, spunk, and irritation. Is he just asking me to do this because I'm taking the more feminine role in our relationship? I'm sure it's fine. He would do this with anyone, right? I should be fine with it. I unpack discomforting and vexing situations to death and ruminate helplessly for inordinate lengths of time, as is my wont. Outwardly, I suppressed revealing these feelings thinking that maybe I was just being dramatic. But with my mind on spin cycle, I lurched and bucked through endless mental reruns, looking for a sign, a clue, an inkling as to the crux of my resentment. Why had I become so sensitive to associations with care work and the feminine after bottoming? Eventually, the seemingly endless rounds of mental acrobatics unveiled what lay buried for the better part of my life. Shame. Steadily, impotently distilled from my fear of being perceived as feminine, weak, and not in control. My partner identifies as a cisgender man, and even though I'm somewhat masculine presenting, I now identify as non-binary. I grew up with traditional gender modeling from my cishet parents and didn't want to repeat the same the mask is the head of the household bullshit that I had grown up around. But somehow, I still clung to remnants of a brittle masculine artifice. Theologians, social economists, sociologists, political scientists, and psychologists alike have written extensively on how traditional gender roles are perpetuated in queer relationships. Queer people live in the same society as our cishet counterparts, and we are subject to the same patriarchal and misogynistic maladies. One historian notes the legacy of bottoming as taboo dates back 2,500 years and is steeped in thinking that equates sexual passivity to feminization and therefore inferiority. We inherit these taboos from the Greeks and Romans, who chose to imbue sex acts based on position with no regard to one's selfhood. Topping was an act of masculine domination, whereas bottoming meant being feminized into submission. Only a top could desire someone else, their desire pushing them to take an active role. Meanwhile, a bottom was to be desired, passive, and dominated, powerless. To ancient civilizations, it wasn't gay, it was just sex but it was, and still is, about power. In the long, deep, surprisingly versatile history of bottoms, from ancient Greece to modern misogyny, Joao Florencio gathers that all homophobia is inseparable from the patriarchy because homophobia is a form of misogyny. You hate gay men because they are closer to women, as if they betray masculinity by being penetrated. And so-called bottom-shaming, is just an extension of this internalized homophobia, a hatred of the perceived femininity within. This implicit misogyny runs rampant in queer circles as it does in heteronormative relationships. Queer relationships operate in a binary frame because much of our relationship playbook came from the dominant heteronormative culture which finds comfort in binaries and punishes those who fall outside them. In many ways the fight for queer recognition and equality has engendered assimilation into these regressive structures to achieve progress. When left unaddressed, internalized and externalized misogyny can be a source of contention, rotting the foundations of queer and cishet relationships alike. These binaries of male and female, masculinities and femininities, dominant and submissive, tops and bottoms, we can choose to reinforce or reject them as we see fit. I've been cautious in previous relationships when I showed up as a top not to perpetuate these harmful norms, trying my best to subvert them. With the dynamics of this relationship, stripping away decades of learned shame brought me closer to a more authentic version of myself. Yet insecurities are durable. I make great sandwiches, which became my partner's recurrent cravings to recharge after a romp. But after a few casual requests to make him one, I could no longer ignore the gnawing feeling in my stomach. I didn't want him to feel that just because I would bottom for him, I would cater to his every whim and put myself in a position of servitude. What role model would I be for other people more femme than myself? Should they resign themselves to traditional roles and succumb to society's expectation of masks as providers and femmes as caretakers? So, I brought it up with him. It wasn't easy for me, the once unflappable verse top coming into vulnerable layers of himself. Still, I told him about the new and uncomfortable feelings that I was having, the midnight ruminations, and how I associated these discomforts with our sex life. I told him that if he expected me to cook for him and clean up after him, I would come to resent him. It was a challenging conversation, but he listened. He cared. He reassured me that it wasn't his intention to make me feel compelled to care for him just because he stuffed me with cum. He said that he didn't want to put me in an uncomfortable position, or for me to feel compelled to do anything that I didn't want to do. After all, he assured me, consent is essential in every aspect of a relationship, and certainly within ours. In the months since then, I've noticed a concerted change in his actions and my thinking. He asks whether he can make me a sandwich, or if I can make him coffee. I know that when he asks me for something to eat, it's not with any gendered expectation rooted in misogyny or an imbalance of power, because I'm free to do the same. We're free to ask for help, support, and food when we need it. Food once acted as a wedge in our relationship, but now it's a way for us to bond. We cook together. We wash each other's dishes after a juicy steak and Cobb salad. Just because our sex life has a power balance where he is in physical control doesn't mean that this dynamic extends to other parts of our lives. We're partners. I'm changed by my new awareness of the nearly fossilized shame that welled up in me upon penetration, conscious of how bottoming did away with the projections I had thus far believed to be true about myself instead confronting me with the naked truth of my own emotions and the social constructs that shape them. I'm troubled, even, by the shame I felt about being feminized, a reminder that this nascent balance we've found is a choice, not a given. But on a larger scale, I feel like this living of equity is essential to advance the politics of the queer community, sidestepping the heteronorms that have been laid out for us and forging our own ways of being and relating. In the meantime, I'm still learning more about bottoming. We've had our fair share of messy encounters. We may have even had some painting. But he has been as patient with my process of getting to know my body in this new way as he was with my inner turmoil. May we get him to bottom next.